Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life, encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. Where do you begin when you've begun with Christ? If you are a new Christian, you are on a new path. But where are you going and how do you get there? As an adult convert, Aaron Armstrong had to face these questions himself. This is his story. We pause here to remind you the reason we have the Good Life Show is to share how the love of Jesus Christ makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus so strong that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and rose again on the third day, offering God's hope. Aaron Armstrong is the author of I'm a Christian, Now What? A Guide to Your New Life. In Christ. He's a Canadian living in the United States. Aaron serves at his local church as a small group leader, a children's ministry teacher, and an occasional Sunday morning teacher. He loves to write, especially to help people grow as followers of Jesus. Aaron is the author of multiple books and writer of several documentaries. He and his wife Emily have three children. They live in Tennessee. Aaron, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, first, congratulations on your book. I'm a Christian. Now what? What a what a what a catchy title. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to have written it and to talk about it with your audience today. I mentioned that you're from Canada. We're in Canada. I was born in Orangeville, Ontario, lived, uh, bounced around uh, between Ontario and uh, the province of Alberta uh, a fair bit, spent most of my college and post-college years in London, Ontario, which is basically right between Toronto and Detroit. Who would you say influenced you most, Aaron, in your growing up years? Oh, that's a good question. So in terms of general influences, I mean, obviously I spent a good amount of time with uh, with with my mom and a few close family members. Our cousin Sandy's husband, Barry, was uh, in a lot of ways was was a surrogate father to me at the uh, during my uh, during some key developmental years. Um, but we in terms of of faith oriented development uh, there really wasn't anyone um who was really factoring in in that in that aspect um we didn't grow up going to church we didn't participate in uh really any significant discussions around um who god is or who jesus is um i mean most often if i ever heard uh, heard the words God or Jesus, it was as a curse word um, when someone stubbed their toe, as mm-hmm. opposed to, um, you know, speaking in reverence to the Lord. But uh, that was, 
that was how that that was a fairly common experience for people growing up in the 1980s in Canada. Sandy's husband, Barry. When did you meet Emily? Uh, I met Emily in October of 1999 in the hallway in college. And um, it was... um, I, it was not love at first sight, <laughs> um, but we didn't find one another unpleasant from a personality perspective, uh, which was good. But we got to know each other uh, largely because we were the two people who didn't drink in uh, in our in our shared group of friends. Um, so we were in the same program at school. We knew a lot of the same people. Uh, she was at the time practicing Baha'i. And I was not. So I was kind of your run-of-the-mill agnostic, borderline atheist, semi-nihilist type who listened to fashionably sad music. So um, and and thought it was very, very deep when I really wasn't. Well, there's a twist with your love of music, but we leave that to the end. Yep. Not the end, not even the end of the show, maybe, but just you gotta read the book. At the end of the book, you'll unveil. Emily and Aaron, how did you become Christians? Well, so when in the fall of 2004, a friend of ours named Adam, he um, he invited us to go to a program at his church. And Adam is someone that we had met in, in college and had gotten to be friends with and um, You know, post-college, he had actually become a Christian, which I found really amusing uh, because it just didn't fit the picture of him that I had. But uh, he invited us to this, and to my surprise and to his, um, I said yes, and I signed us up for the... um, I signed us up for for this, the, the Alpha program, and promptly forgot what it was. And so Emily, I told Emily about about it and I said, yeah, we're going to some dinner discussion thing at Adam's church. And she said, and her response was cool, free food. And mm-hmm. we had forgotten and I had completely forgotten that there was that it was more than one night. I think I glossed over that in the description, but we get there and um, and the 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 lady who is uh hosting the night said, you know, welcome to the 10 week alpha course. And Emily turns to me and mouths, what the, (laughs) and, and I'm like, I swear I didn't realize it was 10 weeks. And so, uh, our friend was, was sure that we were going to bail every single week, but we, we, for reasons to this day, I, that I can't quite explain. We kept going every week and, um, I wish I could say that I paid attention, uh, through the whole thing. But honestly, as soon as the lights went down after a very carbolicious meal, uh, I went right to sleep. And then, um, you know, as soon as they came back on, I woke back up and I participated in the discussion, um, as only the most confidently arrogant, uh, among us can, um, so we, we went through the whole program. It didn't take, but we, you know, we came at the end and we said, you know, Hey, you know, we know what Adam believes now we, and, and we're good for our, and we're happy for our friend and we're going to go do our own thing. We bought a house in this time and we moved in and we kept having discussions, uh, with, with our friend about, about 
everything in life and and inevitably he would he would bring it around to Jesus and so finally one day in March of 2005 I'm sitting on my couch and it's a Saturday afternoon and I'm just I'm just thinking to myself and I said you know I like my friend and I like making fun of my friend I'm going to buy a Bible and then I'm going to read it so that I can make fun of my friend uh, because this is the way that apparently my mind worked at the time. And so I probably go down to the Christian bookstore that just so happened to be two blocks down from my house. I go in and the lady who's there helps me find a Bible and um, I take it home and I start reading it. And as I'm reading it, I'm I'm fascinated by who this Jesus that I'm that I'm seeing in the scriptures is that this is not the 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 Jesus that I had a loose idea of that only came from from pop culture um that this was a a, a Jesus who had authority and power and who um was just someone you could not pay attention to and as I was reading, what I was finding was that the more intrigued I got, the, the stranger things became in our home. And so, and I didn't have the language for this, but um, ultimately we started to experience supernatural opposition to our exploration of faith. And Emily in this time, after seeing me purchase a Bible, bought one of her own and started experiencing the same kind of things. And um, this all culminated one night in I, I remember correctly it was early june of that year um and it was about 3 a.m and i heard her say her say something that sounded to me like stop and um and i fell and um and when i mean fell i mean i fell and because we had a very significant experience with demonic powers and as this happened we were trying to figure out what to do and we realized that there was only one way that this was going to stop that anyone could help us at all that this the only person who could is jesus and so she asked jesus to to forgive her sins and to save her 12 seconds later i did the same and all of it stopped and we both looked at each other and said now what because we didn't know that much about what it meant to be a christian in that we knew virtually nothing but we knew that it was going to change how we lived everything about us we just needed to figure that out you're listening to aaron armstrong sharing his story and emily armstrong story this has been featured at 100 huntley street and you can check that out online the video is compelling when they talk about these demonic forces, uh, the weight on Aaron, the face that Emily saw. It's uh, utterly not only engaging and compelling, but it will, the weight of it, <laughs> in more ways than one, of what the dark forces are like and the forces of Christ, the forces of God, light and the difference of the name of Jesus. When we come back from our break, more from Aaron Armstrong. He is the author of I'm a Christian, Now What? A Guide to Your New Life in Christ. He says, I came to faith in Jesus as an adult. I went from being a pretty average guy who didn't care if Jesus was real 
to someone who has spent nearly 20 years helping people know him and follow him more faithfully. AaronArmstrong.co. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life Famously beneath the barren sky Leave it to me James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Aaron Armstrong is the author of I'm a Christian. Now what? A guide to your new life in Christ. If you're tuning in right now, maybe you caught the tail end of that last segment. Look, this program is available for you on Spotify or Apple or any podcast platform. And to find out more about Aaron Armstrong, AaronArmstrong.co. That's AaronArmstrong.co. Aaron, what inspired you to write, I'm a Christian, now what? Yeah. So, well, so as as uh, listeners to the previous segment um, heard, I came to faith as an adult. I was 25 going on 26. And so I didn't know anything about what it meant to be a Christian um, when I became one. And so there was a lot that I had to figure out because I had all the baggage that that came from my entire life prior to coming to faith. Um coming along with me, including, um, you know, including having to figure out, okay, what do I do owning a house with someone that I'm not married to? And, uh, but we're in a, we're in a relationship. How do we like, what does that look like? What does, what does this mean for how I do, how I do my job and how I engage with other people? And also how do I, and even more fundamental, how do I read how do i really read the bible as as a christian how do i pray um and when it seems so weird to do it and what does it mean to be a part of a church and what should i be looking for and and all of these these kinds of key and core questions that relate to our identity and uh and how we express our faith in the world um and so the book came out of my own experience wrestling with those things, um, but took shape 
um, in, you know, starting in about 2015, when um, I had been a Christian for 10 years at that point and um, was starting to get a little bit introspective, uh, depending on um, how cynical someone is, maybe a little bit navel gazy even, and um, and started started thinking about, okay, what could I, if I had a time machine, what would I go back and tell myself? What, what do I, and, or what do I wish someone had been able to tell me as I walked through this mess? And as I navigated the journey from, from my faithless life to my life in Christ and, um, and because the Lord has made us finite beings and he has made us time-based beings, um, you know, time travel is not an option for us. So, but what I can do, what I could do instead was I could, I could share that, share what I had learned along the way with people who were, who were a few steps behind me, people who were in the same boat that, that I was though all those years ago. And so it's, so this book started initially actually as a series of articles on, on a website called for the church. And, um, from there it's, um, it expanded into, uh, the book that now is ultimately available for the world. Certainly indeed available for the world. How does being a Canadian in the USA inform your perspective? Well, I think one of the things that is a blessing of being in uh, in the United States as someone who is um, from another country and who is not at this time, at least not a citizen, um, is um, I get to I get to kind of have an insider outsider perspective on on a number of things so um you know the country that that i'm from canada is um you know certainly a little bit farther ahead on the um the secularization um shift that um that that the west has been going under for the last um at least century in in all honesty um, maybe even two centuries. Um, and so certain, although, you know, I will say, you know, the U S because America loves to, loves to not be, um, behind anybody, it's doing its best to catch up on, on that train. But, um, but because of that, there isn't, um, I'm from a country that doesn't have quite the same, um, uh, cultural wallpaper um as as many areas in the united states do um like the south for example where i live today um that uh flannery o'connor um called in the in if i remember correctly i think it was the 1930s or 1940s called it a christ haunted culture um not one that is christ-centered but is or, or that it that earnestly believes that God is real and the gospel is true, but is afraid that it might be and, uh, and that he might be. Um, and so there is a veneer of, of Christian behavior and language and all of these kinds of things. And you still see it in the larger culture as a whole. Um, even right down to the, the, the God bless America type, um, 
type message that 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 we hear in the State of the Union addresses and and things like this, that um, that there are certain assumptions that just aren't made where where I'm from, and so um, so people are asking different kinds of questions, and I can see them asking those questions here as well, um, and. So it's it's an opportunity to for for me at least to be here to, um, in some ways, kind of help prepare the way for what we're facing and what we're what our churches in every region of the country are are going to be experiencing as we faithfully go about our mission of sharing of proclaiming the gospel and making disciples of all people of all backgrounds sort of a prophetic view that you have experientially coming from Yeah, I mean Canada. I I certainly wouldn't call myself a, a prophet um if uh cuz I get so many things wrong <laughs> um but uh but I mean yeah there's definitely a like hey hey guys we're it's going to be okay because the gospel is the gospel is still the gospel no matter what kind of climate we're working in and it's just we've got to be we've got to be prepared and and focused on the right things. Aaron, what is the most important thing for a a new Christian to know? Well, I think that there are I think that there are really two and a half three-ish <laughs> that are that are kind of they're all connected. So it's um and and they're actually they they make up the the core aspects of um the of the first several chapters of of the books of the book from a practical perspective um you know as christians um we are we are saved from our sin into relationship with God through Christ. And so that relational aspect is absolutely central and it expresses itself in two different ways. One is our relationship direct with God, which we express through prayer and through reading scripture, because the way that God speaks to us primarily is through his word. That's where he tells us everything that we need to know about um, about what he about who we are, who he is, what he's doing in the world, and how he has, uh, how he is at work to reconcile all things to himself through Jesus. Um, likewise, prayer is how we speak back to God because because every relationship is is a two way street. One one talks, one listens, and then the other talks, and the other listens. Um, and so, but if you're a new Christian and you're an adult and you've never prayed before, prayer seems kind of weird. Um, and so, so learning how to do that, learning how to read the Bible, learning how to pray. And then also the other aspect of how our relationship with God expresses itself is because it's not an individual or individualistic relationship. We are saved into community and into a family um, because and that's one of those those beautiful and profound metaphors that the Bible gives us about who Christians are is is that fundamentally we are a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are beloved children of God. And so finding our fit in 
community and knowing what to look for in a local church and what to avoid in a local church as well um, is really important to our development. And then everything else from there is, is an outworking of what our time in the word, what our time in prayer, what our time with other believers look looks like and so as we and which ultimately comes to developing our convictions you're listening to aaron armstrong aaron is the author of the book i'm a christian now what well he shares out of his life and he is very open about his experiences he mentioned about churches maybe when we come back we can talk a little bit about that He talks about, you know, he gives us brass tacks, as one might say, practical things, you know. Uh, What are signs that are godly, biblical signs that maybe a transition is needed? What are other signs that says, hey, hunker down, stay in the church that you're in? AaronArmstrong.co AaronArmstrong.co. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Desperate life, aimlessly beneath the barren sky. Leave it to me, I lead you home. Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. In what way have you seen God work powerfully in your life? Do you have a story to share about God's provision and deliverance? Have you experienced God's healing? Do you have a testimony that will encourage others? 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. I want to share your story on our radio podcast. Please visit drdanny.live and share your Jesus story by clicking on the link at the top left of the home page. If you'd like to share your testimony in the form of a letter, send your correspondence to Formation Institute, P.O. Box 381-222, Cambridge, Massachusetts, 02238. That's Formation Institute, P.O. Box 381-222, Cambridge, Massachusetts, 02238. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Trevin Wax says of Aaron Armstrong's book, I'm a Christian, Now What? He says, Aaron's insight and guidance will make this a go-to book for new believers. Author and women's ministry director Jen Oshman wrote, This book will be a welcome and helpful companion to any new adult follower of Jesus. They're talking about the book, I'm a Christian, Now What? by Aaron Armstrong. You can find out more about that book on, get that book at Amazon. You can find out more at AaronArmstrong.co. That's AaronArmstrong.co. You talk about the Bible, you talk about prayer, Aaron, and you, you go into a great, a great deal of detail. What are signs of a healthy church for a, a new believer in Christ to look for? 
You know, that is a that is a great question. And and thank you for doubling down on on this this aspect because it is really important. When we when we talk about what a healthy church is, there's a lot of things that um certainly if you've if you've been around um you know the Christian world for a while, we tend to look at uh we tend to look at a, a at a couple of primary characteristics and really just one characteristic, which is how many people are going. Um, but that's not the healthiest or, or the surest sign of what a healthy church is. Instead, um, I think that there are seven key things that we need to be that we need to be aware of that make a healthy church. Um, and the first is that Jesus is the focus of everything that happens in the church. And so no matter what, um, no matter what else is true about it, um, that we are, that, that what we are doing as a healthy church is we are, we are focused on Jesus Christ, our savior. And so the songs that we sing remind us of the beauty of the gospel. The, the preaching of God's word draws our attention to Jesus from every passage of the Bible. When we when we baptize people, it's as a declaration that they belong to Jesus, um, that their sins have died with him and that they've received the promise of new life through his resurrection. And when we take communion or the Lord's Supper, um, we do we do that to remind us of Jesus' death for our sins and the promise of his return. Um, you know, though the way I just though the way I say it in the book is is that if Jesus isn't at the center, a group of people may be many things, and they may even call themselves a church, but a local church they are not. And so Jesus is the center; he is the focus of a, of a church. The second is the second thing is that character is prioritized over skill. And so this is especially this is specifically related to leadership and um you know and the the quality of a of a Christian leader that in a healthy church your leaders are people of good character who are who are as 1 Timothy 3 uh verse 2 says are above reproach which doesn't mean that they are perfect or flawless people, but it means that um, that there really shouldn't be any sort of legitimate charge that could be brought forward against them in terms of an ongoing habitual character issue. So, um, so basically, if they 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 are people who are not quarrelsome, they are kind, they are humble, they are thoughtful. They exhibit the fruits of the spirit that we see in Galatians five. Um, you know, that's, that's what I'm talking about there. And so while it does matter that a, that a leader does have administrative skills, it does matter that they, that they can teach um, in whatever, whatever aspect they're, they are given to um, if their character isn't there um, it should be cause for concern. The, the third thing is, is that the Bible is the standard for everything that we do. So it's the norming norm, um, which means that, that it's, it's what we use to evaluate our words, our thoughts and our deeds. And so we want to correct one another with it. We want to be taught by it. We want to be encouraged by it because the Bible is the Bible has the truth. It is the truth. 
and everything else is just an opinion. All right, Aaron. So what's next? The next thing is, is that people are known. And so what that means is, is that um, people are actively involved and feel safe being involved in one another's lives. And that word safe is important because that means that people are, that, that as a culture, a, a healthy church is going to give people time and space and lots of grace to be able to open up, to be able to talk about what's really going on in their hearts, in their lives, in a way that is free from judgment, a free from um, free from fear and anxiety, the things that keep us sheltered and and hiding ourselves and putting on a false front all the time. Um, the thing like the the thing that basically Instagram and TikTok and every other social media platform are built to um capitalize on a healthy church is is the anti-instagram likewise sin is also taken seriously and so we want to so a healthy church culture is going to be one that deals with sin in a way that reflects the gospel and so that means that we hold one another whether we're leaders whether we're congregation members um we hold one another accountable for our actions. And when we sin against one another, um, we do practice church discipline consistently. We don't do, we, we don't get creepy <laughs> um, about a lot of different things, but what we want to encourage people is, is to pursue a life of holiness, a life of joy and faithfulness to Jesus to encourage people essentially to remember the call that that Paul gives in so many of his epistles, which, you know, in a paraphrase is essentially be who you are in Christ. I mean, I love First uh, Corinthians six, where he has this this laundry list of behaviors that he says that that people who practice these things will not enter the kingdom of God. And such were su and and such were some of you that and and saying, this is what you can't, this is what you were, but this is who you are in Christ, that you are washed, that you are made clean, that you're made new. And there, and, and that's what we do when we take sin seriously, is we remind one another of who we are and what Jesus has done. Now, the next piece is that that non-Christians are loved in a in a healthy church. And so we want so we do that in a couple of different ways. We we want to to create an environment where they are where non-Christians can come and are welcome and have the freedom to ask any and all questions about the faith and about really anything that they want. But the love that we show them doesn't just extend to making them feel welcome. It also extends to protecting them from participating in the specific ways that they're not meant to. So what I mean by that is we should not be encouraging non-Christians to take part in the actual ministry of the church because the actual ministry of the church is an act of worship. And so whether that's volunteering in a kid's ministry or playing music or doing anything like that, those are, that's worship. 
And so and we so we want to serve in kids ministry because we love Jesus and we want kids to know Jesus. We sing and play music no matter what our actual skill level is and for the record no one wants me on a, on a worship team because I cannot sing or play an instrument. Um but we sing and we play music because we want to play that music for Jesus. And so asking someone who doesn't worship Jesus to do things that are all about worshiping him isn't an act of love at all. Um, and so I, I know that there's a lot of different philosophies out there about, um, you know, belonging before becoming and and things like this that, that you'll hear. Um, and there's a degree to, and there's a degree, a degree to which I, I certainly agree and affirm that we should encourage people to be a part of our community but part of how we love them as part of that community is is protecting them from the pieces that are not for them but explaining those things now the last piece is that compassion is a way of life and so this is really important and and you know we see a lot of debates around around what this looks like right now you know from particularly loud segments of Twitter. But what every healthy church should agree on is that from is that that it is absolutely essential for the church to have a focus on um, compassion, on justice and mercy in the way that scripture has described that from the beginning, the early believers had um, shared all that they had with one another to the degree that Acts 4.34 says that that there was no needy among them. And that and to take our cues from the early church, who historically um have had been at the forefront of orphan care and adoption efforts, who um were actively involved in providing health care to anyone and everyone in need who um as history has gone on were at the forefront of the abolition of slavery of education movements of so many more different aspects that um we rat treat women and um oppress and people who are often seen as um lesser in some way shape or form uh, we treat them and uphold their dignity and value and and respect. We treat them the way that we treat them as our fellow image bearers. Um, we reject abortion and infanticide and instead opt for providing homes for for unwanted children or those who are deemed as having less value. And um, I mean, this whole aspect of who the church is is one that um, – you know, depending on where someone where someone's at in terms of their political ideologies and things like this, it can, it can be a tough one to figure out because it it feel it can either feel right at home or it can feel uh, with with one side of one side of an aisle and feel very opposed to another. But what the church says is is ignore ignore your aisles and follow and follow Christ in this. Um, and so we can't, so a healthy church is going to carry on the tradition that of the, of Christians deep commitment to compassionate care for all people. You're listening to Aaron Armstrong. He is the author of the book. I'm a Christian. 
Now what? When we come back from our break, we'll hear more from him. And this is our final segment. Our final segment. Well, let's talk a bit about cohabitation in the West among Christians, even. What is at the core? We'll ask Aaron that and maybe a bit more. He does spend a lot of time talking about creativity and beauty. And by the way, when you get his book, read his footnotes. More from Aaron Armstrong when we come back. Wandering the road of desperate life Famously beneath the barren sky Leave it to me Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. A woman in Boston recently told me, I listen to your program every day and was inspired by the man who became an NFL quarterback. A person in Orlando said, I heard your podcast of the man who came to God during the Jesus movement. Another friend said, that pastor who gave one of his organs to a boy without ever meeting the child touched me about Jesus' love. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is made possible through financial partners. Would you consider sending a gift to keep our program going? Podcasts have been downloaded in 49 states and 35 nations in the last six months. Please help us expand our reach. Go to drdanny.live and click support this media ministry. That's drdanny.live and click support this media ministry. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Russell Moore, editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, writes, This book is easy to understand and yet nowhere dumbed down. Counsel that will help new Christians answer their questions and to figure out what questions to ask next. He's talking about the book by Aaron Armstrong. I'm a Christian, now what? Aaron Armstrong says, This is the book I wish I had to orient myself when I left the city of man for the city of God. For when I had to navigate the roadblocks along the way. You can find out more about the book. Get a hold of the book, Amazon.com. Lexum Press, AaronArmstrong.co. That's AaronArmstrong.co. Aaron, you did write a lot about creativity and beauty, and I appreciated that. But let's go into this. You are explicit about cohabitation among Christians. You open yourself up, you and Emily, but uh, take us to the core. What is at the core? Yeah, so this is this is one of those aspects where and you know just recently there's even been some more data that is, that has come out about this about how um how increasingly uh cohabitation is just the accepted given um for relationships not even necessarily that it's the next step um or the step between dating and and marriage but just that it is it is just what you do after you've been together for for a little 
for a little bit. Um, you know, certainly um, in in our histories, uh, you know, cohabitation uh, was part of what we what we saw when we when we were growing up. Um, you know, Emily's Emily's parents were were pretty open about um, having lived together beforehand, um, and um, you know. By God's grace, they are they're still married today. So they're kind of the they're kind of the statistic that uh the statistical anomaly that proves the rule. Um, where you know, my parents cohabitated before before marriage and they divorced before I was in grade school. Um, and so um, so I'm very much like grew up in all of the statistics. But um but part of the reason that cohabitation has become so normal. Um, isn't just because of all the doom and gloom, um, you know, statements about about divorce and stuff that we always hear parroted on the on TV and online and on the radio and um, in podcasts and everywhere else that 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 you you can think of. Um, it's it's because we've we've lost the um, we've lost our understanding of what um uh, of really of what sex is sex is what its intended context is and all that comes with it and so we see you know the two things that i share in the book ultimately are that we have we have devolved sex and sexual intimacy into a out of its context of marriage uh, between one man and one woman and into basically the mere idea of consent and so two or two or more people who are in agreement um can do whatever they want is basically the um is basically the rule of thumb in in society today um the and this is a this is a massive massive problem because this is what we're taught from uh from childhood <laughs> and it's what we're indoctrinated in through through every aspect of of culture around us and um you know and there's there's so much data that that says that this is not a good thing for people but it's but it's all that people see and all that people know and when sex is removed from its context of marriage we have the added problem that as we've shifted away away from any significant understanding of God and the gospel and the West's historic familiarity or rootedness within Christianity, our understanding of marriage has rapidly diminished as well to the point that marriage essentially is an optional contract to be renewed as often as one wishes. And so this is why you get things like, you know, ill-defined, the ill-defined, oft-heard, irreconcilable differences as a reason for divorce. When I was researching the chapter for for some more of the the more outright ridiculous reasons that people have asked for divorce, there was one that uh, one article that I found that said that one spouse filed for divorce because the other spouse was uh, asking what he wants in his coffee every morning for seven years, which is just silly. And so this whole idea that there are uh, there really aren't any there's no real legal significant reason for for marriage marriage uh, from the societal perspective sex exists only in the context of consent so why not just cohabitate and share a lease 
So what we need to do as as Christians, and and we really need to do a good job of this, because we've fallen down in so many ways. We've fallen down with, I think, something that was intended to have a good had a good meaning behind it, which, um, and, you know, because of my experience, I didn't experience firsthand, but seeing the stories and, uh, of what happened as the fallout of it. Um, I think the intentions of something like the purity movement of the eighties and nineties, there was a good intention there, but it didn't, work quite the way, but it wasn't expressed well. Aaron, share a little bit about how you and Emily worked through that and the way your church helped guide you in the process. Yeah. Um, so for us, um, after we got, after we got saved, after we became Christians, you know, we didn't get sat down with and, and talked about, okay, so you guys are living together. This is a problem for these reasons that didn't happen. Instead, the pastor that we had at the time, what he did was he actually was praying for us and praying for a few other couples who, who had come to faith around the same time who um, were having, who had a similar kind of experience. And he was praying just to see, okay, who is the Holy Spirit going to convict about these issues? And um, it turned out to be us because, uh, um, because we were having um, Emily's sister move in with us and, um, you know, dynamics in her relationship with her, with her, her then boyfriend um, had gone the way that they, they, that they, they often do. And we were, we heard, and we were informed of this and, um, both of us went, ew, 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 ew. And then went, well, shoot, <laughs> because, uh, because we had to re cause we had to, it, we started thinking about it and it was like, okay, so why, why is this so wrong for her? And if it's wrong for her, why is it wrong? Why is it not wrong for us? And why? And then it was, and then basically we realized, oh, this isn't right for us either. And so we called our pastor and asked for, asked for a meeting and basically it was like, what do we do? And the first thing he did was laugh at us. And, um, but it wasn't mean spirited laughter. And he explained his, he explained what he had been doing. And so we worked with him and to figure out, okay, what do we do? Because in our situation, we owned a house together. We worked at the same place. We had a car together. We had shared bank accounts. We had basically all the trappings of marriage without being married, but we also needed to not be married yet because we had a whole bunch of stuff to work work through um as we were figuring out how to be christians and so we went with a very not ideal scenario one that um in all honesty i don't recommend <laughs> um which is that we lived together as roommates with a high degree of accountability um that is that is me saying that is not um saying that that is a an acceptable solution but that was his graciousness to us and so we had six different we had six significant rules in our house 
Um, so we could not be in each other's rooms. There was to be no allowance for any kind of romantic situations. Uh, we needed friends from the church who would open their homes specifically to me if we were at any risk of violating that second rule. Um, we had to have an open book policy with our pastor and our friends. So any of them could ask us about anything at any time. Uh, we were to join a small group for newly married couples um, that and couples that were pursuing marriage. Um, and we were to participate in premarital counseling with another couple discipling us through that whole process. Aaron, I think and I was just going to just jump in real quick here. Yeah. As we begin to wrap up the show is th- this is. This is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Someone listening is either in this situation or knows someone who is in the situation. But how do we talk about it? How do we process it? And you've written about it in your book. I'm a Christian. Now what? You know, these things are not, you know, cookie cutter situations. They're not necessarily, quote unquote, clean situations. You have a quote there that I appreciated. You said, focus on direction, not perfection. When you mm-hmm. talked about the healthy church, but in this case, you're speaking about something that's a hot topic that people wrestle with or maybe squirm about, but now we can move forward in a, in a purposeful and, and re- redemptive manner. As we close yeah. the show today, Aaron, would you say a prayer, perhaps for someone who's going through a moment like this or a broader struggle that someone might be encountering at this time? Please. Yeah, I would be happy to. Um, Father, thank you for uh, for this opportunity for for Dr. Danny and I to speak together today. Thank you for the people who are listening and uh, anyone who may encounter this this program, um, whatever they are going through, um, whether they are exploring the Christian faith and happen to stumble upon. Um, this episode or any episode of his show, whether they are um, a newer Christian just trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, whether they are a seasoned or established Christian trying to walk alongside someone else who uh, doesn't even know how to tie their spiritual shoes yet. Uh, Lord, I pray that um, you would first and foremost that you would meet all of these people in their specific situation that they would know uh know your presence with them they, they would be aware of you and um what you are doing in their lives and that um those who are struggling um would be aware of would would feel hope because of you, that they would know that they're not alone. They would be driven to your word and to other believers, people who can encourage them and strengthen them and um, help them take whatever next step they need to take in their lives, um, ultimately to glorify you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray for all of these things. His name, amen. 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 Aaron, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Encouraging words from Aaron Armstrong, AaronArmstrong.co, that's C-O. My friend, God's timing is perfect, and there's no better time than right now to share the love of Christ with someone near you. And hey, if you haven't done so, this might be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Jesus. Would you do it? 
Go to drdanny.live for next steps. Find resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple or Spotify. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Aaron Armstrong, aaronarmstrong.co. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media, media director, Luke Yamashiro, guest coordinator, Jan Yi, and board operator, Joseph Valdivieso, I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.